Welcome to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Today we're going to talk about the song Losing My Religion by R.E.M. In the first part of the lyrics, they say, Oh, life is bigger. It's bigger than you, and you are not me. The lengths that I will go to, the distance in your eyes. Oh, no. I've said too much. I set it up. I remember when this song came out. And I remember the video on MTV back when MTV actually played music videos and you could actually see something other than some teen pregnancy show or some ridiculous stuff like that. And it was all about music. And I remember buying this album and thinking, what a great song. And and the song actually has been misconstrued over the years of what it actually is about. So today we're going to talk a little bit about how much this song has meant to us. As far as the band R.E.M., I mean, they're a great band. Uh, you You can't... turn around and say they weren't no matter what you feel about the band they they had such great music that they put out but uh, this is one of those songs that no matter if you heard it for the first time today you would say this would be a hit song and it was a hit song back then I think Losing My Religion for me it's one of those songs which sits up with the Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit, Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight, or maybe like Foo Fighters Everlong, where the opening four or five seconds evokes so much emotion, even before the lyrics start. And, you know, growing up in England, we, we didn't, you know, understand what losing my religion meant. I mean, it's a southern term in the United States. I mean, right. losing my patience, someone who stopped being civil. You're getting frustrated, but we, I mean, actually a lot of people in the United States outside of the southern area, and obviously R.E.M. from Georgia, um, you know, don't understand what that term means or don't hear it. And so when you hear losing my religion, for me, when I first heard the title of the song, I just thought it meant, oh, somebody's losing their faith, you know, and it took more of a religious thing rather than... uh, I mean, the, the, it really wasn't explained to us. I mean, this was pretty much prior, into, uh, um, prior to like ac- internet access, so sure. there was no and, way to explain what it and meant. And of course, there were there were probably a lot of people that saw this as an attack on religion, right? So, so you got a, a rock band, right? And they're saying, uh, "Oh, losing my religion." Oh, you're trying to attack the fact that. You shouldn't have religion. And no one really read into the lyrics of the song. They they never really understood what Michael Stipe was actually trying to say in the song. He was never trying to say, get away from religion. Yeah. It, it, in no way, shape, uh-huh. or form was he trying to say this. Right. And the video itself, I mean, it was modeled after a Gabriel Garcia Marquez short story called A Very Old Man with Enormous Wings. And it was about an angel which fell from the sky and landed in a small town. And it was about different 
uh, townspeople's reactions. And, you know, there was a lot of other, um, I, I guess, symbolic stuff in it, which people assumed was based upon religion. I mean, I think there were a few references to stigmata and stuff. And so right. it seemed like it had a very religious feel to it. Well, you also have to remember, especially in the United States at, at this time, uh, just before that, you had Madonna that came out with the Like a Prayer. Oh yeah, song. Uh -huh. yeah. And, and so that that was on MTV, and they had burning crosses in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she was, you know, dancing around yeah. in front of the burning crosses. And I remember having MTV as a kid, and my dad coming in and. Right. Watching me watch this video of this woman, Madonna, dancing in front of these burning crosses and saying, you are not going to watch this. This is terrible. Even though there was a completely different message. Let's be honest. You were just grateful that. to see some cleavage. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, a little uh, bit. Uh, uh, a little bit. Yeah. But but the the message behind that video of course was a powerful message. Yeah. So so then you you take REM which they never just threw a song out there that didn't really have some kind of message and of course we're going to try to focus on losing my religion but there are so many songs that they had out there that were great songs that had good messages behind them or, uh, you know, maybe good. Good is a bad word, maybe, depending on which side of the aisle you sit on. But they had a message behind them. It wasn't too charged, but they had something they wanted to say. Yeah, and I, and that was what this song was about. It it wasn't nefarious by any means. They they actually had a message they were trying to get out there by this song. Yeah, and losing my religion. It was released um, February nineteen ninety one, and it was obviously on the out of out of time album, the same album which you know amazingly, shiny happy people was on, and you you know correlate shiny happy people and losing my religion i mean you can't have two more distinct songs on oh, an album absolutely you know shiny happy people was one of those songs that it especially if you watch the video it it was kind of comical right now maybe they had some other kind of message they were trying to get behind that but the way the video was done and everything it was typical pop it was you know shiny happy yeah. people and 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 we're trying to be happy about all this yeah losing my religion though had this kind of dark side to it yeah it, it was hey you, you ought to listen to this it, there's something we're trying to tell you here right and a lot of people didn't get it and and i think part of the problem with the song was the song was so good that a lot of people didn't get what the message was. Yeah. And, and, and there's only been a few songs that have came out maybe, let's say, in the past five, ten years that have been that way. Yeah. Uh, one of the songs that comes to mind is uh, Foster the People uh, with the, 
all the other kids right. with the, the pumped, pumped up, up kicks. kicks. Yeah. If you listen to the lyrics of that song, you realize how dark yeah. that song is. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it, it, but it's so happy when you listen to it. Right. But then when you dig into the lyrics, you realize how dark that song is. Yeah. This song was presented as dark, but it really actually wasn't that dark when you dig into the lyrics and you realize what they were trying to say, what Michael Stipe was actually trying to say in the song. Yeah. And, you know, when, when we started this podcast, I spoke about the emotional reaction to maybe the opening four or five seconds of the song before the lyrics start. And I I just kind of had this existential moment where I realized that, you know, the songs I mentioned, like Foo Fighters, Everlong, Smashing Pumpkins, Tonight, Tonight, Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and, you know, R.E.M. Losing My Religion. It's... Uh, there's a lot of angst in those songs and I don't know why there's not necessarily any particular super happy positive songs which evoke that same amount of emotion even before the lyrics start. I think we are so stuck right now with music, especially in the pop music, that nobody cares what the real message is. We've lost that. Yeah. We've absolutely lost that. And uh, you can go back to this song, Losing My Religion. You can go back to the 70s with maybe uh, Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or something like that. You can go back farther than that with the Beatles. Yeah. You, You can go back farther than that Today's music doesn't really have any kind of message yeah. behind it. It's all about streams. Yeah. And just wanting people to click. Yeah. And and I you know, there are a few exceptions which surprise me every now and then. I'd say with somebody like Rihanna. I mean I'm not a fan. Um, okay. But you take the song Stay and the lyrics in that song are very, very beautiful. Um, it's obviously about, you know, a relationship which is breaking up and stuff, but I, I don't know. I, I think the music in that, the piano and the actual lyrics in that song are really, really beautiful. And every now and then a song comes along like that, which does actually surprise me because, you know, I expect, I mean, I don't listen to the radio in terms of popular music, but I, I think if I listened to maybe the Billboard, like top 30, I probably wouldn't like any of the songs in there, but every few months you know, a song will will come out because it's almost now impossible for an alternative artist to get into the top 30. It's yeah, all pop. It, you're, you're never going to see that anymore. That That is dead. And, and it's kind of sad because you look at uh, even Losing My Religion, and we talked about this before with how simple the song actually is. It, it's a four-chord song uh, for the people listening that are actually musicians you know, it's four chords. It's E minor, A minor, D, and G. So those are four extremely simple chords to play on the guitar. Uh, my son plays the guitar. The first probably 
three chords I taught him was G, C, and D. So two of those three chords are in this song. So most people that, you know, they, they don't play guitar, they don't understand music, they don't get that part. But it also goes to the fact that you don't have to have a complicated song. You don't have to have complicated music to make a good song. And my son, who plays the guitar, honestly, if, if he was here right now, he couldn't play the song. I would have to say, here's the chords. He'd have to listen to it a little bit, and he could probably get it after a day or so. Uh, I, I kind of know how to play the guitar. I'd probably have to listen to it a little bit, and I could knock it out in like an hour, whatever. Doesn't matter. But there's so much music out there right now that you don't even have to know what the chords are because you can just program it into the computer. And the computer's going to go ahead and play the music for you. And so all you have to have is somebody like Michael Stipe who sang these lyrics. And then all of a sudden you have a hit song. But back then... That didn't exist. There, there, there was no way for him to do that. And even the way this song was created, the mandolin in the song, R.E.M. didn't even have a mandolin at that time. Yeah. And I think the simplicity of songs really comes down to if you have a good melody. I mean, we spoke when we did the Smiths podcast about how neither of us... Uh, particularly big fans of the Beatles but you know most of their songs were like between two and four chords and they were very very simple songs but they had the trick of finding a melody almost an anthemic type quality but then you know we were talking about the Smiths and the complication of uh, you know Johnny Marr and his guitar style where right. it's it's a million miles away from four chords I mean he's playing stuff which he can't even replicate himself but Again, you know, we talked about listening to those early Smith songs and with those riffs that it just brought you in, but you could pick up a guitar and you may never be able to be able to play that, whereas I'm sure you could teach your son how to play 90% of Beatles songs in an afternoon. Sure. Yeah, you could, based off the fact that there's that simplistic part of music where you say, you know, here, here's the chords that you have on a guitar. Yeah. Right. And, and here's a G chord. Here's a C chord. Here's a D chord. Whatever. Here's how you play that. In fact, the other night, I was showing Jake how to play another song, uh, Four Non Blondes, What's Up. Right. And I said, it's actually a very simple song. Here's how you play it. Because my wife loves that song. Actually, yeah. I love that song. But it's all about the melody of the right. singing. And so you look at Losing My Religion. It has nothing to do really with the backing of the music. It's the melody and the singing and the lyrics yeah. that makes the song great. And there's a lot of songs now that you hear these lyrics and it kind of like uh, the foster the people with the yeah. pumped up kicks 
there's a lot of kids that are singing along with this. They don't even realize what yeah. the message is. But you take a song like Losing My Religion, there's a great message behind this song that a lot of us took hold of. We, we said, hey, we get what you're saying, Michael Stipe. We, we yeah. totally get this. Uh, this is a great song. It, it's a simple song music-wise in the background, but it's a great message. Yeah, and, and I find myself whenever it comes on my playlist in the car or whatever, I sing the song kind of angrily or frustrated. And this and this was probably even before I knew what the song was about. And, you know, just so our listeners know, you know, if you don't really have the background to the song... Like we said earlier, losing my religion just means, you know, losing your patience. You stop being civil. You're frustrated. The song was actually about unrequited love. Um, right. In an interview with the New York Times, it explained, um, you know, it's about romantic expression and about having a crush on somebody who maybe doesn't almost seem like they know you exist. And so the song is about trying to drop these hints that I like you. And that's where it goes, I've said too much and all this stuff in the song that, you know, it's like, have I made it too obvious? You know, am I going over the top? But right. there's still no oh, reaction. Oh, no, yeah. I've said too much. Right. I haven't said enough. Yeah, and I didn't really, again, when it, when this song first came out, especially in England, I mean, Out of Time was the first R.E.M. album I'd heard. After I heard that album, I went back and listened to a lot of their other albums. Well, the first few albums, like Dead Letter Office, some of those other ones, and they were, I guess, even more basic and more simple in terms of the construction of the songs. And, but, you know, Out of Time was a very complicated album. You know, again, you've got Shiny Happy People and Losing My Religion on the same album. And then when you go to like Automatic for the People and Monster, I mean, Monster especially was a very, very hard album to listen to when you'd listen to the previous R.E.L. albums. Um, so so when they were recording this, have you done any kind of depth in, you know, where was Michael Stipe in this? You know, where, where was he sitting there saying, you know, I'm... At this point, he's doing well, right? He's, he's not you know, just some random person, right? So he's doing well, and now he goes in the studio, and he's going to record this song. Have you looked into what he might have thought as he's standing in front of that microphone and starting to record this song? Yeah, I think at the time he was going through an existential crisis because I think after... I mean, I think the previous most famous song they had was "It's the End of the World," on the uh, on I think and, on the Green album. Right, but let's be honest, great song. Yeah, a fantastic song. But he was struggling with coming to terms of like being famous, and he actually said himself after losing my religion came out, he couldn't walk down the street anymore or go into a grocery store sure. because everybody knew what he was. And you know, he went into the studio. And he was in a kind of weird state of mind. He was like semi-naked, I think, just like... Wow, In, in his like really? underwear. And he, he came in pissed off and, you know, recorded the song. 
And you it, know, it, is that by the way why you're sitting here in your underwear right now and making me uncomfortable? Well, no, I I do that even if I'm singing Britney Spears songs. Okay. Okay. Um, but you know, the, this song it reached number four on the Billboard 100, which was their highest ever you know place in, and it was actually in the chart for 21 weeks, which is a long period of time. Very long period um, of time. And in England, I mean, it really didn't place that high. But, you know, I was into alternative music at the time, and so I heard it. And like I said, that's when I went back and listened to stuff like, you know, the Dead Letter Office and Green, those um, albums. And, you know, it was more, I think Michael Stipe and Peter Buck always described the music as folk rock, you know, rather than alt rock. You know, it was more this kind right. of hippie, hippie type alternative rather than trying to be popular and i think um michael stipe struggled with that sudden fame you know he, this was a when they when he actually had to record the video this was the first video which he actually lip-synced as opposed to actually sang along to um and you know the video obviously won that year the mtv you know best video of the year it won two grammys um and and it propelled them almost out of nowhere you know, into the, this kind of star spotlight. And the Warner Brothers, you know, the record label at the time, were very non-supportive. When out of time, when the first demo was presented and they said, we want to release Losing My Religion, they were trying to push Shiny Happy People. Because they said well, the song... Uh, yeah, you, know, you got to remember, Shiny Happy People was a happy pop song. Right. I, I remember the movie that came out... Uh, that thing you do. Mm -hmm. Great movie. Tom Hanks movie. When I was in a band, we used to watch that movie because, you know, here's this garage band that had this one song and then all of a sudden they got famous. And I remember that scene in that movie where he's saying, I want something happy. I want something peppy. Yeah. And he's sitting there and he's snapping his fingers right. and he's saying, you know, we got to have that because that's what most people want to hear. Sure. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that sad, even in the movie, they talk about the lover's lament or right. whatever. But the sad thing is, that's actually what people want to hear. Yeah. And they, they uh, really want to hear that terrible stuff that right. is going on. Yeah. That they want to hear what's really going on in the world. Yeah. Not shiny, happy people holding hands. They want to yeah. hear about losing my religion or it's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. But, e but even that song, The End of the World, is not, I mean, that was a very upbeat song. Well, it's an upbeat song, but with a very dark message. It, it is. And I mean, especially you listen to the last two verses of that song. Because first of all, you think it's kind of a... Somebody's normally living a good life. And, you know, they're just having a... Not even a bad day. But you, you think the title, It's the End of the World as We Know It, is just like an overreaction to a very simple situation. But then you get to the end of the song, and you're absolutely correct. I mean, it does actually, it's actually a kind of dark thing. It, it's looking at, 
you know, society is just going to this angle, to this area where there's no redemption and, you know, the youth, you know, being well, brainwashed and yeah, it's and, just... And, and not to get too far off topic, but you also have, uh, what is it, uh, Billy Joel, the We Didn't Start the Fire. Right, yeah. You know, it, it's kind of the same yeah. thing. It, you listen to the lyrics in that, and it's messy, yeah. like it's the end of the world as we know it. it there's all this just, you know, hurried up. You, yeah. you look at it's the end of the world as we know it, and that's great. It starts yeah. with an earthquake, birds and fire Planes and airplanes and, airplanes and, and blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, so much craziness in that song and the same thing with the Billy Joel we didn't start the fire yeah. but these are songs that came out so long ago yeah and here we're sitting right now and they're so much more fitting right now than they actually were before right and and we're talking about losing my religion yeah which was a, a song that you could honestly say speaks volumes yeah. right now, uh-huh. but you got to dig in. So why have we not been able to, as a society, to figure out these songs? Is it the fact that most people are so ate up in the kind of, uh, what do you want to call it? pop music, whatever, that we don't actually look at what singers are trying to say. Do we Do we even care? Do well, we even care well, what these artists are trying to put forth? Well, I, like I said earlier, every now and then a song will come along which surprises me. Like I said, Rihanna's Stay uh, was a huge shock. I mean, I absolutely love that song. I mean, you know, the music's beautiful. The lyrics are beautiful. You know, I, I think we're losing my religion. Uh, like I said, I even when I didn't know what it meant, I sang those lyrics very kind of angstly, angrily. I mean, certainly like when you get towards the second part of the song where it's every whisper, every waking hour, I'm choosing my confessions, trying to keep an eye on you like a hurt, lost and blinded fool. Oh, no, I've said too much. I set it up and I didn't necessarily even think about what that meant but that goes back to our smith's podcast where there's you know more people than are willing to admit it who resonate with these angst songs who feel isolated i mean who who on earth hasn't had an unrequited love at some point in their life who you know they like somebody who didn't like them back or didn't seem to notice them and so these type of songs i think just subliminally just connect with people and even if they don't openly admit they like a certain song these songs mean something so deep and passionate to them and this song to me like i said even before i didn't really even know what it meant you know really struck really struck home with me and you know going back to why warner brothers didn't want to release it at the time in the early 90s if you were releasing a pop song it needed to be about three minutes long and you're talking about right. a song here which was four minutes 29 seconds far too long right that warner brothers like i said tried to push shiny happy people as being the debut you know song off this album and let's not forget that they also had a female voice in there 
So that was more right. of a song yeah. that that yeah. was commercial. Yeah. Commercially. Now what, now, what band was that lady from who sang on the uh, Shiny Happy People? I'm gonna say uh, the B-52s. Yes, it was because they did Love Shack, right? Yeah, yeah it, it, about I, I always yeah. thought that was her. I don't yeah, know if no, that's it was, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. but but I remember yeah. watching that video, yeah. and it. I always, as a kid, I'm like, yeah. oh, this is so much more yeah. happier. Yeah, I I would rather listen to this. Yeah, but at the same time, when losing my religion was out there, I was like. This is a great song. Yeah. And then you see Michael Stipe dancing in the background, and you're saying, well, wait, what's going on here? You know, he's trying to tell me something. You you don't really get it, maybe, as a kid. Yeah. And now, when you have the new music, they don't know. Right. You know, the, the kids don't know. And... I'm not saying that musicians are woke so much that they're going to tell you what's going on. Yeah. But they, most of them have a message. Yeah. And look, a lot of them have a good message. Right. That they're not nefarious. They, they don't have a political agenda or anything like that. They're just saying, Hey, what about this? Yeah. Just think about this. Yeah. And, it, it's a good way to look at music, but there's also music that you just need to sit back and say, yeah, that's a good song. Yeah. yeah I like listening to this song. I, it, this is a goofy song and I, I want to laugh at it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now you, you have to remember losing, yeah. losing my religion had a message that most people missed. Yeah. Now you have to remember at the time because REM weren't, I guess, that popular in terms of chart success that Warner Brothers felt they had the upper hand as in Warner Brothers felt like, you know, REM will be, were lucky to be signed to Warner Brothers. And you know, Probably what, they, so. what, what they said about the losing my religion song was it was a very unconventional track because for a pop song, and they still considered at that time R.E.M. to kind of be a pop band, that, you know, it didn't really have any chorus to speak of, which the song doesn't. You know, I right. mean, it repeats a few lyrics here and there. Um, and you're leading with a mandolin? That, that's going to be a lead, that's going to be a lead um, thing. How on earth do you make a popular song with the mandolin being the main instrument? Right, well, if you're in a band... Right, and it, especially playing the guitar. So, it, if you know how to play the guitar, you're automatically gonna know how to play a select set of instruments. Right, you can play the bass, mm-hmm. you can play a ukulele, you can play a banjo, you can play the mandolin. Yeah. So it, even when Peter Buck decided that they're going to put a mandolin in there. I remember picking up a mandolin and looking at a chord chart and saying, God, I, I can play mandolin. Like it, it's this simple, right? So I I think something happened with this song where he's like, well, let me pick up this mandolin and rather than playing an acoustic guitar, Let's see how this sounds with a mandolin. 
and it made that song so powerful. Yeah. Just changing the instrument. Right. So if you're a musician, you might get this, but you can actually pick up another stringed instrument and play those same chords, and it sounds totally different. And it's really not that much more difficult. Right. But it all you say is, well... I know how to play this on the guitar. So you're saying put my finger here on the fretboard and go ahead and strum it this way and you're giving me this goofy instrument that looks like this and you're going to mic it this way. Okay, that's fine. That's powerful. Yeah, and um, Peter Buck, I mean, he actually admitted that he wrote that riff while he was watching TV and he was actually recording himself when he came back the next day and listened to it and just decided, oh, that sounds like a good riff. And that was, you know, the basis oh. for losing my religion. And then obviously Michael Stipe added the lyrics. But, you know, I, I think there comes a point where you're, I, I guess, such a good musician in terms of being able to create melodies. And most of R.E.M.'s songs, the appeal, you know, outside of Michael Stipe's voice is very simplistic melodies that, you know, when I went back and listened to their earlier albums, I mean, every single song had a very simple, simple melody, but it was very attractive. Every song, uh, you know, and there were some dark ones. I mean, you go back again, like I said, to Dead Letter Office and some of the songs, you know, were pretty dark in terms of, you know, the lyrics, but the melody kind of pulled you in anyway, regardless of what you thought about sure. what Michael Stipe was singing about. But but that should be the goal of rock music. It it should be something that you sit there and repeat. Uh, you take Rage Against the Machine. A lot of people don't realize, which is unfathomable to me today, that Rage Against the Machine is a political band. Right. They have a political message, but their music is so powerful yeah. that they get people behind their political message because they love their music. R.E.M. was more of a uh, ideological band to say, you know, we want you to like our music. We have a message here. It's not, it's not political. It's ideological. So get behind our ideology that we're saying here because this is the message we're trying to put forth. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, It's the End of the World as We Know It, Man on the Moon, Night yeah. Swimming. I mean, hell, we could sit here and I could list off tons of songs by R.E.M. with the messages that they had. They're all great songs. Yeah. And Michael Stipe is sitting there giving a message. And the band behind him, which he obviously was a very big part of, yeah. of creating the music to get you to want to hear this song. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, Michael Stipe, you know, you can't call it lucky, but he just has one of those voices where... I think he could sing almost any song, even some of the trash, you know, in the charts at the moment and make it sound good. 
you know, his voice is so iconic, you can always recognize him. And, you know, I mean, he doesn't have a great voice. I mean, if you talk in terms of range and everything, he doesn't have a classically beautiful voice. I mean, you take Tom York from Radiohead, again, he doesn't have a great voice. But you recognize it, and it's like almost anything they sing, uh, it just sounds kind of beautiful in a way. I mean, I could literally listen to Michael Stipe sing almost any song, and even if it was a song I hated before, I would probably like it because he's singing it. Oh, sure. I mean, it, great singer, uh, great artist. Uh, I wish he would put out more. And as we close, I I just kind of like to read the last lyrics of Losing My Religion. I thought that I heard you laughing. I thought that I heard you sing. I thought I saw you try. But that was just a dream. That was just a dream. That's me in the corner. That's me in the spotlight. Losing my religion. Trying to keep up with you. And I don't know if I can do it. Oh no, I've said too much. I haven't said enough. I thought that I heard you laughing. I thought that I heard you sing. I think I thought I saw you try. But that was just a dream. Try. Cry. Why try? That was just a dream. Just a dream. Just a dream. Beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. We hope we uh, will meet with you next time. And maybe we won't get so deep, but maybe we will. Thanks. <laughs>